for me, getting back out there means sprucing up my date night wardrobe. But I don't necessarily want to have a lot of extra stuff to hang on to. That's why I was happy to find out about Armoire. It's a clothing rental service, and it really takes away the stress about what to wear. For a monthly fee, members get access to high-quality designer clothing for any occasion. Just take a five-minute style quiz to get suggestions, and then pick what you want. The clothes arrive in as little as two days. One of the items I chose is a green v-neck wrap dress that works for both business and pleasure. And here's one thing I really love. Armoire is women-founded and women-led. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash gray. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash gray to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whether we found the one or are still searching, romantic relationships can be stressful sometimes. And I've learned that when I keep my emotions bottled up, it starts to affect me negatively. I know that therapy is a safe space to get things off my chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing me down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, how about giving BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, so it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire so you can get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DatingWhileGray today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DatingWhileGray. I'm Laura Stasi, and this is Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. I've worked with white women who told me that they wouldn't date someone of a different race. I've worked with black women who've said the same thing. I would never discourage, you know, dating outside your race for them. If you find love, that's awesome. And even for me, like if I find, if I find love outside my race, I just haven't. But I will tell you that when I look through dating sites, if someone says conservative, I will swipe left. On this episode, we're talking about dating across differences. I met a woman who went through a really nasty divorce. She told me the only way she got through it was by taking up yoga and meditation. And now that she's ready for love again, she wants to meet someone who shares these ways of relieving stress. So she's on a dating site called Meet Mindful. I've heard of dating sites for vegetarians to connect with each other, sites for motorcycle enthusiasts to link up with other bikers, sites for highly educated people to couple up with other MBAs and PhDs. Even the non-niche dating sites ask you to describe yourself so they can match you with people of similar backgrounds and interests. And though we may not especially care that our partner doesn't share our love for yoga or our educational level, race, religion, and politics seem like three things we have to have in common or it won't work. 
In fact, a study by the Pew Research Center found that online daters 50 and older are more likely than younger daters to say it's very important that a person's profile includes race or ethnicity. We want to know. And it's also very important to older daters to know political affiliation. But lately, I've been wondering if rules we set up also lead to overlooking some solid options. I mean, what would happen if we decided to widen our specifications for the ideal partner? That's a question on Ron's mind. He's a divorced Black man in his early 50s. He's a father and a poet. Ron says he's taught his grown kids to embrace diversity, love whoever you want to love. But personally, Ron's never dated outside his race. And in fact, he told me he's avoided approaching white women. I asked him why. It's a culture difference. And especially in these times, black culture, what we run up against is the stigma that when, when black men get successful, they seek out white women. That, that's, that's, that's a stigma. That's a stigma in, our, in, our, in my culture. So my mom and dad, you know, they, they instilled those values in me. And then, you know, I, I, I have children and grandchildren now. So I want them to, to grow up and know, like, who their culture is. I want them to understand diversity, like, love who you love, love who you want. But it's never been something for me because I didn't grow up in that circle. Like, I didn't grow up in that, in that culture. Most of my interactions with white women or, you know, were, were at work in a professional environment. That kind of um, steers, steers that, that, that culture shock somewhere else altogether, you know, because not only it's not a social situation, it's a business situation. So, you know, you try not to make business with pleasure. And, you know, so that's been a, a hurdle. Does the feeling still stand that black people should only date? other black people? Not at all. Not at all. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's true for anyone. That's a, that's more of a preference for me. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that's true for anyone to uh, think that like one race should only date one race. That that's, that's not definitely not what I'm saying. You, You get love where you find it. And a lot of times we don't find women outside of our race to love because they're not within our proximity. I grew up in the inner city. I went to high school with black women. Like that was my social circle, you know, and it wasn't until I actually started working in the corporate world where I started to interact more with white women. The difference is culture. I would love for you to explain your definition of culture. There are things in the black culture (laughs) <laughs> that we we do and go through on a daily basis that might not resonate in the white community. Um, okay. You know, just and and they, they they might be minor or simple things. You know that 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 we do that you know um, that that people don't don't understand or or how we relate to each other, how we talk to each other. You know what I mean? It was just those are the people that you relate to. I can you know I, if I can talk to. Um, a black guy from De- Detroit, and he would understand me when when I when I when I tell him about how my mother used to go out to a tree and get a switch to beat my behind with when I was when I did something wrong. You know what I mean? He would get that. Those are the people that you relate to. It's not a bad thing. It's just that you know we also do need to understand each other's cultures, though. You know, I remember reading something once in a sociology class, and it said something like, "There's a root of." truth, I guess, with every stereotype. 
a truth for maybe one person or like a group of people that then blossomed into this very unfair stereotype. And so when I'm hearing you speak, I'm thinking, oh, you're speaking in stereotypes. But what I'm hearing is a stereotype. It also could be your truth. I mean, you know, and, and there are stereotypes like, you know, and, and you, like you said, they're rooted in truth. But that's not all we are. You know what I mean? We're, we're not a, we're not monolithic. No one is monolithic. So it's it's understand getting in, to understand that that part of the culture, the part of the culture that that you know tells me that you know I kind of need to watch my back when I'm in the streets because you know I still got a target on my back. Your children and your grandchildren. Do you think it's important for them to also date black people? No, I think it's more of date who you want. You know what I mean? Like, I would never discourage anything. Like, I would never discourage, you know, dating outside your race for them. And do you find love? That's awesome. And even for me, if I find love outside my race, I just haven't. You know what I mean? Like, I never have. So it's not like it's something that, you know, it's impossible. But, you know, it is something that I've never had that in my life because it's not something that I was introduced to. Have there been any other differences, like religious differences or uh, socioeconomic differences that you have experienced uh, in your dating history? I have. Um, I was raised Baptist and I dated a Muslim woman. It became more of a conversion thing. It was like, if we're going to build this relationship, then either you're going to come over to my side or I'm going to come over to your side. <laughs> that was important that you shared a belief system, because don't uh, Muslims also believe in the one God? They believe in the same God that Christians, Baptists believe in. Right. It, and, and it is. It's just, it's kind of like, we're all going to the mountain. It's just how we're going to get there. You know, it was... It was <laughs> no, I get it. Your religion is important to you. And her religion was important to her. And it wasn't something that you could... It was something you chose not to overcome or also not to try to, you know, one of you, because you have, you know, you do hear sometimes of people who convert to Judaism or, you know, become Christian or so, but I mean, that's fine. Did you date it for a while or how long did you guys? Year and a half. Oh, that's a long time. <laughs> and you know, that, 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 yeah, year and a half, it is a long time. It's a long time, but in the big scheme of things, it's not. When you get into a relationship, the last thing you think about is that relationship ending. So one person's year and a half is another person's lifetime. <laughs> I'm just thinking, first of all, I love what you just said. You get into you don't think about the end of a relationship when you're getting into a relationship. Of course you don't. I love that. But I'm thinking it feels to me, and I could be wrong, that a year and a half, this could have come up early in your, you knew early on in that year and a half that you had this kind of a big difference. And it sounds like it wasn't from the very beginning. It wasn't like, okay, you do you and I'll do me. It's like, you know, let's, let's try, try this to and see where it goes. Yeah. I'm wondering if you saw another beautiful woman who happened to be Muslim, would you give it a go? Or would you know, you know, would you learn from your experience? This is one difference we can't overcome. I think I'm I'm a lot more open-minded now. Those differences aren't as much important to me now as they weren't back then. Back, you know, back when my kids were younger. Ron also told me that when he was younger, he jumped into relationships, not necessarily because he was ready, but because he was lonely. 
and now that he's older, he understands the difference between the two. Next, we'll meet another divorced father who's thinking about dating across differences. But in his case, he's the one feeling rejected. We'll talk with Manny after the break. You know, now that I'm in the second season of this podcast, I realize it's more than a show to me. It's a community. Dating While Gray wouldn't happen without the stories you share and the connections you help me make to topics, experts, and people like myself just trying our best to navigate love and relationships after age 50. If you're a regular listener, thank you. You're already part of the Dating While Gray community. The conversations we have on this show go on at our Facebook page and on Twitter at Dating While Gray. That's G-R-A-Y. I also love hearing from you with feedback, stories, and questions. So email me anytime at datingwhilegray at wunc.org. Be in touch however you feel comfortable. And don't forget, we're in this together. Manny is Chinese-American in his early 60s, and his former wife is also Chinese-American. Manny says since their divorce, he hasn't had much luck dating. And he says it's because women avoid Asian men. But as you'll hear, Manny has his own preferences, and at times, they seem limited. You know, most people, for whatever reason, don't want to date Asian American men. Okay, you see a lot of the reverse is not true, where a lot of people are dating Asian women, but not men. Very low hit ratio. Very low hit ratio. You said a low hit ratio? Right, low success rate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a it's a industry term we use. Okay, so when you were on these sites, uh, or when you know signing up for your profile, you can put in filters like I want you know women within a certain distance. Did you filter for race? You know, in the beginning, I did a little bit. Um, I was actually trying to stay away from Asian women. You know, you kind of go the opposite of what you had when you were married, right? So I was actually filtering, you know, that was the only filter I had, right, was everything else except like specific, yeah, Asian. And then I was like, well, you know, let's let's take that filter off because it's really, you know, I think I'm trying to stay away from Chinese people, at least at that time. So I was like, okay, let the people in. I'll figure out who's Chinese and then go from there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even reaching out, I got almost no response. And I was on everything. I was on uh, Match. Um, I was on ChristianMingle.com. What else was I on? Bumble. So did you just make the assumption it was because you are Asian? Or could it have been that you had bad pictures or you whatever hobbies you have or interests didn't connect with anybody? I don't think so, because I had friends review my profile, you know, that were single and around my age, and they felt that it was fine. I'm wondering, uh, have you ever been open to dating a woman of color? I don't discriminate in the literal sense, but, you know, I I will tell you, to be really honest with you, that... um, so, you know, I'll date Hispanic women. I have no trouble with that. You know, Asian, Indian, you know, things like that. Um, but for the most part, I don't find just personally, I don't find black women attractive. As much as you're saying that, you know, you feel like many women, they don't want Asian men. You're saying for the most part, you're not interested in, in black women. It's just an attraction thing. It's not cultural. You know, it's not prejudice. It's purely just visual. 
you know, on dating sites, it's kind of like, you know, you're just thrown what, you know, I mean, not literally, but, and I don't mean this to be negative sounding on this, but, you know, you're kind of throwing a lot of darts out there and seeing what hits. Okay, you heard Manny say he's not attracted to black women, and it's a, quote, visual thing. But he also believes women are not attracted to him, not because of his Asian features, but because of stereotypes about Asian men, personality traits, and even anatomy size, which, to be honest, I never heard that before. I wonder if Manny has considered that all of our visual preferences may indeed be rooted in stereotypes, or Perhaps we tend to be attracted to qualities that are familiar to us. My intention is just to get curious and to ask people to examine their belief systems. Before we set up rules about what we're looking for, Demona Hoffman wants us to consider why we're establishing any boundaries in the first place. Demona is a dating and relationship coach, and she says a willingness to explore more options leads to more potential partners. Well, I'm all about getting the dating pool to be as big as possible so that you can really filter through your matches to find the person that's the best fit uh, or the people that are the best fit. <laughs> I, I don't believe in one soulmate, one match that is your destiny throughout your entire life. I believe there are many possible options, but I think we carry around a lot of expectations, a lot of unconscious bias, a lot of ideas about who we are and what we want that may not actually be serving us. But as we examine that, we start to realize that some of these belief systems that we may be held for many, many years don't really apply anymore or when you're looking for someone to date. Are men less likely to want to date across differences or women? I'm careful to put any kind of a label on it because I don't see that any one group is more or less likely to date across differences. I will say I've worked with white women who told me that they wouldn't date someone of a different race. I've worked with black women who've said the same thing. Um, I come from a very diverse family. My dad is Jewish and his family immigrated from Russia. And uh, my mom is African-American, grew up in the projects in Detroit. My mom is Christian. And I was raised with sort of all religions and everyone, a very accepting and understanding environment. And my family has gotten even more diverse. So I've always asked people to do this self-inquiry and to be willing to um, look beyond the boundaries that they believe are there. And I actually started out, my very first writing job was for J-Date. I was uh, one of their dating experts. And a lot of times I would have Jewish daters that came to me and they're like, well, he has to be Jewish. I must date a Jewish man. And then I'd say, well, do you go to shul? Do you, are you practicing? Do you keep kosher? And as we looked at what that meant to them, we would realize that it wasn't really their stuff. That idea that the person has to be Jewish, maybe that came from their parents or that came from their community. But they extrapolated out a whole series of things that that meant that didn't necessarily connect to what their needs were at that point. Mm. So it sounds like it wasn't the specifics of the religion, but perhaps what that represented. Can yeah. it be something as simple as that? Yes, that's exactly it, Laura, actually. When we really 
dig down deeper into why we have certain belief systems. It's, I don't want to go through the discomfort of what it would be like to educate someone about my culture. That seems like a lot of work and effort. But I feel that all relationships are effort. And I don't want to give the wrong impression that I'm telling everybody, you must date interracially. You must date someone of a different religion or from another country. I'm just curious what happens if you examine the belief systems that you come into dating with or that you've been operating off of maybe for many years and you start to ask yourself are these things that are still true right now is this really as important as I have believed it to be and the reality is that attraction is deeply correlated to experience. You will be more attracted to things that are more familiar to you generally. So if you have not had much experience with people of another culture, you might have belief systems about them that are not true, or you might find yourself more attracted to someone that you feel you have more in common with that is more similar to you. Absolutely. Let's talk about differences that may arise in new or established relationships. For example, you discover that you and someone you're very interested in, you have opposing viewpoints when it comes to something like Confederate statues. How do you deal with that kind of a difference? Those are really tough conversations, and I really feel for anyone that may be in a situation where they have to have those um, uncomfortable conversations. But I really believe that the discovery is in the discourse. You know, when you love someone, when you're invested in a relationship, you should have a desire to really understand them. So if somebody is, say, offended by a Confederate statue, I think it would be worth the conversation for you to try to understand why. We keep coming back to the why. I say start with you and your feelings because you can't go into any of these difficult conversations with the intention of changing someone's mind. You have to go in with owning your feelings and your perspective and also from a place of listening. When you come at it from that place of openness and just saying, I realize this might not be something that you're thinking about, but I'm feeling this way because of this. And then this is the really cool and uncomfortable and awkward thing about these conversations. When you listen, you have to work really, really hard not to fill the gaps with talking. Yes. <laughs> My husband is white and the lens that I see the world through is completely different than his lens. And in no way am I trying to make him wrong or to force him to change. I just offer him an opportunity to see things through a different lens, which I think helps both of us be able to yes, grow. Yes, and I think a lot of people my age or older, well, this is just the way I've always been. Take me as I am, being open and learning. It's never too late for that. I don't think we have the luxury anymore of just saying, I've stopped growing or I've stopped changing or I've stopped reevaluating how I think about things. I love that you're saying that. Um, it's funny because I actually have these kind of conversations with my mother. She's in her 70s. She looks fabulous. <laughs> she dates men much younger. <laughs> and um, she really has a fixed mindset. She feels I'm grown. I'm done growing. I've learned what I'm going to learn. I'm not going to change. 
I really see it as an impediment to dating and I see it show up in her dating life. And for a lot of my clients that are over 50, I think this is one of the bigger challenges. Is there something we should all keep in mind the next time we think about our filters for finding romantic relationships? When you are setting those parameters or you're developing your dating strategy, how you're going to put yourself out there, how you're going to show up, just keep the search and the parameters wide and see who comes in the door. It's really important to you that the person shares your faith and goes to church or temple or the mosque with you then yes, absolutely put that first. Let that be your primary filter. Go on a dating app that puts that element first, and then you can filter from there. But if you ask yourself the why and you get back the answer, I don't know, or actually when I examine it, it isn't important at all, then it might be time to change your dating strategy up a little bit. Demona's not insisting that we date across differences. She's saying, why not be open about connecting with people other than our usual type? And you can hear more from Demona on her own podcast called Dates and Mates. Now meet Lynn. That's not her real name. She's white, in her late 60s, a psychotherapist and a social worker. And when it comes to dating outside of race, she's fine with it. But dating outside of politics? That's a different story. Lynn describes herself as open-minded, but she doesn't hesitate to swipe left on conservative dating profiles. Then something happened that's causing Lynn to reconsider just how open-minded she really is. Me who doesn't believe in random meetings. I randomly met somebody in my neighborhood. I'm one of the few people in my neighborhood that doesn't own a dog, and I'm absolutely convinced that the only way to make friends in my neighborhood is if you own a dog. So when I go for a walk, I make it a point to say hi to the dogs, especially in COVID, like they're the only ones that I can touch and stuff. And so I make, I make some friends that way. And this guy had a dog that was the same breed of dog that um, I grew up with. And then I asked him about his dog and he turned around and he was just a nice guy. And we just started talking and it turned out we were both in the same field. Oh, He had served time in the military and I was an army brat and my daughter was in the same branch of service that he was. Like there was just one thing after another, after another. And I looked and I didn't see a wedding ring or anything. And then he said something about his daughters. And then I, I said, so you live with your daughters? He said, no, I, I live alone. And he stressed, I live alone. And I thought, I, I said, would you like to get together for coffee sometime? He said, that'd be great. I'd love that. Good for you. And I said, well, how do I get in touch with you? And he said, I don't have a card and I don't carry my cell phone on walks. And I didn't either. So he told me his name, which was an easily to remember name. And he said, just go Google me and it'll have my, he told me the name of his company and that kind of thing. So I went home, the LinkedIn page just listed a lot of stuff and I found his email and then I thought, well, I'm going to just take, just to look at his Facebook page and it said conservative. And I thought, of course, this was too good to be true. So he, on his Facebook page, he they asked what your political affiliation is. Oh, I didn't know that. And I had talked to him for 20 minutes and he was really a nice guy, like, like a nice guy. And that surprised you. Yeah. Like, well, yes, it was like, how can you be a conservative and a nice guy? 
I just thought God had a sense of humor because if I'd seen him on a dating site, I would have just swiped left. Yeah. He used to work with people with disabilities. I mean, he has a dog. He meditates very well educated, like a hundred advanced degrees, you know? So it's not like, I mean, I really actually am interested (laughs) in, you know, what the deal is. And it could be just, he's a fiscal conservative for all I know. Okay, so you know he's a conservative, and you know he's very nice, and you know he's smart, which kind of surprised you, that he's smart and he's a conservative. So we've had two coffee dates, so it's not like this is... Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so you Googled him, and you found this out, and you still had coffee. I didn't know you had coffee. Oh, yes, yes. So I wrote him, and I said, here's my email, and, you know, let me know if you'd like to, you know, walk sometime. And he wrote me back, and he said, how about tomorrow? So has he found out yet? I decided I had to broach the subject. I said, well, you know, when I went to look up your name, I did notice that you were conservative. I want to out myself right now. I'm probably in the category of, you know, liberal or progressive. And I couldn't read his face, but we just, we started talking about it. I've had two meetings with this guy, three now, I guess. And I really like him, you know? He actually said to me in a text message, he said something about it's uncanny how much we have in common, except for our political worldview. He's definitely right. But is he right? That's a great question. I mean, this is going to be a total experiment. I have voted Republican in my life. I have. I vote for the individual and I'm more liberal than conservative. But I think what I hate more than anything is putting people in boxes. You know, I care more about people being good people. I caught up with Lynn recently for an update. Lynn says she's taking it very slow with Mr. Wright. That's right with a lowercase r. She wants to see if they can at least be friends since they're neighbors, but she's not sure they'll ever be able to bridge the political divide and become romantic partners. At least she's giving it a try. Before we go on with the show, I recently learned about a truly fascinating person, someone who reinvented herself in her 60s. Polly Murray was already an accomplished attorney and social justice activist whose work influenced Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall and inspired Eleanor Roosevelt, who called her a personal friend. But in her later life, Polly was called to do even more, and so she became an ordained Episcopal priest, the first Black woman to do so. Explore chapters of Polly Murray's life story on Polly, a podcast from North Carolina Public Radio. That's Polly, P-A-U-L-I, available wherever you get your podcasts. Politics, can't we all just get along? That's Peter and Vicky's motto. Peter is divorced. He talks about politics for a living, and he's conservative. As for Vicky, she's a widow who leans in the opposite direction. I chatted with them while President Trump was still in office. They told me what happened after a mutual friend set them up on a blind date. Vicky and I agreed to meet for drinks at a place that was convenient for both of us. And we must have talked for... Two, three hours. Two, three hours, yeah. And I thought she was charming, delightful, and entertaining and gorgeous. You know, in saying goodbye, she made it clear that she wanted me to ask her out again, so I was very pleased. I'm in sales. I can talk to a wall if I need to. I found him interesting. We had great conversation. 
My parents are very involved in politics, and I don't necessarily share theirs. My husband had very strong opinions, and I didn't necessarily share his. Differing opinions, one, they make for much more interesting conversation. And two, I think that's kind of how the country works. People have differing opinions, and if we all live in this world where we only hear the same opinion, then I don't think it becomes very productive. And this particular president has been a little bit more polarizing than others, a lot more. And it comes into play with the two of us often. I mean, we have some some rather spirited conversations. Well, first of all, I'm enormously patient. (laughs) (laughs) I used to think that my job was to convince everybody else that I was right, they were wrong, and to force an agreement from them. And then one day, someone who I had great respect for said that I needed to understand that people have a right to be wrong. And so it dawned on me that really what my job was, was to present a case for a particular candidate, a particular issue, a particular um, legal opinion, whatever, whatever it might be, with reason and facts as best I possibly could, and hopefully persuade someone that in fact I was correct. Where we find common ground, even though we may differ politically, is trying to keep the conversation focused on facts. Okay, he's better when at the I'm, fact part than I am. I when, tend to get emotional. When I'm <laughs> when I'm differentiating between something I know to be true, something I believe to be true, um, but can't prove it, and something that is simply my opinion. But I, I don't have to agree with her. And she doesn't have to agree with me for us to have a successful relationship. I think there's a couple of topics that I won't even won't go down the path because I know that it will become because it, it, it crosses beyond the political divide, like say abortion for one. I mean, you know, we've had a couple of conversations about it. We have very differing opinions about that. And, you know, it is both a uh, political and a religious component for him. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to go down that path. I'm never changing his mind on that one, ever. And, you know, that's fine. Do you do you. You know, partnership and respect and friendship, I think, are, you know, three baselines that if you don't have those three, you don't have a hope of anything more. For a future, for the romantic side, you have to have those three before the rest can become a possibility. And so I think that's the key for me. What invigorates me between the two of us is that that foundation that allows us to build from there. I think Vicky's totally amazing, and I consider myself lucky um, that she cares for me as much as she does. It's a new feeling for me. That's certainly part of it. But there's a mutual recognition that our relationship is the most important thing, that the politics, the economics... The, the friendship she has that she brings to the table, the friendships that I have, all of those are secondary to the relationship itself. And that if we get out of sorts on something, that the need for reconciliation is more important than the need for being right. I hate your politics, but I love you. <laughs> I don't hate them. Oh, I don't hate uh, them. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, I disagree with your politics, the, but I love you. Way, that's not the way I would have put it. I'm just going to say I love you, and I'm very lucky to have you in my life. Don't be afraid to consider somebody who's different than you. That whole thing, you know, when I was looking online and everybody's like, don't, you know, no anti-Trumpers, no Trumpers. 
that just was a real turnoff to me. And, and I'm really glad that I didn't have that perspective because I, you know, if I had been that way, I never would have met Peter. I never would have had the, uh, the opportunity to learn more of, from, about you know, the other side. I would agree entirely with what Vicky says with one additional thought. It's okay to be afraid. What's not okay is to let the fear dictate what you do with your life. But if I'd let my fear rule my life as it did in the early days after my divorce, I never would have met her and I'd be sitting at home, you know, alone, fat, miserable. As Dean Wormer says in Animal House, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. I think you just wrapped it up sufficiently there. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> once, you, once you get to the Animal House quotes, it's, I think you're it's all time done. to end the interview. <laughs> Political differences aside, Vicki and Peter agree that the assault on the Capitol by Trump supporters was highly alarming. You know, Vicki and Peter may not have politics in common, but they're both white and they're both upper middle class. And so maybe with those commonalities, something like politics isn't such a hot button issue. I'll admit, I have a hard time understanding how any couple these days could bridge that divide. Maybe this is a sign I need to work on opening myself up more. I mean, I've set up rules. I've avoided meeting men who live past a certain number of miles from my house and in specific compass directions. Now that I think about it, why? What's up with that? I do believe life is bigger, better, when people find ways of connecting with each other, even if it might seem like there's not enough in common to make the connection last. So whether it's to make a new friend or find a romantic partner or just get along better with my neighbors, I'm going to follow Coach Demona Hoffman's advice. Open the doors wide. See what happens. Dating While Gray is produced in partnership with North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. You can support this show with a donation or by becoming a member at wunc.org slash give. My thanks to producer Kamaya Truitt and editor Charlie Shelton Ormond. Our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt. And Lindsay Foster Thomas is WUNC's director of content. There's much more about the show and every episode we've ever done at datingwhilegray.com. I'm Laura Stasi. Thanks for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.